Hey listeners, Kevin here. Just wanted to let you know the Bad Guy Bulletin is going to be played in the replay today. This is Kevin. And this is Ron. And this episode of Your Valuable Home is brought to you by Provia. Provia, a faith-based company that makes entry doors, storm doors, patio doors, vinyl and wood-clad vinyl windows, vinyl siding, manufactured stone, and metal roofing. All of incomparable quality. Hey, Ron, we have Donna Hoffman, an amazing designer, coming on the show, correct? Indeed, she is amazing. She's coming on 512 and 519 with two dynamite interviews. One for the design-it-yourself person who doesn't hire a designer. And then the other one, she's going to tell you how to choose a designer, how they work, the different types of designers, etc., etc., etc. you got to listen to these two interviews, 512 and 519. And you know what? If you listen, Donna's got a special gift for you. It's her e Ebook. What would an interior designer do? Checklist your way to a great room. It's an ebook. It's brimming with over a hundred easy to implement design ideas that add style to any room. Your beautiful home is just one checklist away. It regularly sells for twenty-seven dollars for all listeners. It is absolutely free. So listen those two weeks and get her ebook. Welcome to Your Valuable Home, the weekly podcast for listeners who believe that residential real estate is the way to build wealth. Hi, I'm Kevin Kennedy, a working contractor and host of Your Valuable Home. Your Valuable Home is for homeowners and investors alike who want to acquire and improve real estate based upon educated decisions. And I'm Ron Milk, Your Valuable Home producer and co-host. Our weekly one-hour podcast is not about doing it yourself. It's about hiring the right contractor to do the right job at the right price. And it's not about flipping. It's about buying and holding to build wealth. Homeowners and investors who strive to create wealth and financial freedom with real estate and avoid costly home improvement mistakes. Your valuable home is for you. The Project Replay made redoing our kitchen and bath trouble-free. Your horror stories have kept us from hiring the wrong contractors. The college segments have taught us how to keep toxins out of our home, what to look for in replacement windows, how to borrow sensibly against home equity, and more. College teaches investors like me how to freshen up my rentals without spending a fortune. Their suggestions are great for ROI. It's time for Your Valuable Home. All right, Kev, we got another replay coming up. I need to do a little more investigative, but I know it's happening here in our area, and I'm sure it's happening everywhere. We've always talked about the bad guy bulletin. It's kind of a little bit of a bad guy bulletin for suppliers. And I've been hearing over the past couple of months, it's distributors and suppliers that supply out, whether it's roofing, siding, uh, certain materials. What they're doing is they're getting phone-ins from companies. They say they're companies and they're giving people credit cards. What they're doing is delivering. The suppliers delivering out, say, materials, say, roofing. They're drop shipping at somebody's house, putting, say, 25 square roofing shingles out there and all the material. And then once it's delivered, the credit card is dropped. So it's a fake credit card. I don't know how they're doing it, but the payment is stopped. And what they do is then the, the supplier then has got to go back to the homeowner's house to get the product. Well, the homeowner has no clue what they're talking about because they didn't sign for anything. It's just that they're so well organized that the suppliers, when they drop the material, when they're gone, they have another company like a van or something renting from wherever, loading all that material, taking it and using it for some other job. Then they never paid for it. And it's not happening once. I've heard it from multiple, multiple suppliers in this area that they are not taking credit cards from people they don't know. But even still at this time, they get a little more sophisticated. They said an ID because now they're asking, the suppliers are asking for ID. Say, listen, if you're going to give me a credit card, I need to see an ID. Well, they're sending a blank form ID. Somebody that it's the same person 
for every supplier for every job. They don't know where it's coming from. I believe Mark Ferber, I know it was recently just on, but I, I said, well, what's going on? There was a sting operation. They nabbed some of the guys and the company that's running is overseas. So they're making money on somebody here in America taking and stealing this product off a fake credit card scam is what they're doing. And it's not one or two. Both my suppliers that I dealt with and then the one I just spoke to a couple of days ago have got hit and they got hit hard. Does this happen outside of Pennsylvania too? I'm going to look into it a little bit more, but mm-hmm. I know pretty much five suppliers just in this area, and this is going into a tri-county area, have been getting hit and hit harder with it. So if you're talking about millions of dollars just locally here, think about nationwide what this is. So if any of our listeners, uh, contractors or somebody, their suppliers hear this, I'd like to get your opinion if it's happening and how to have it not happen to people. So it's just another scam that's been coming up, but this is more for suppliers and distributors because they're getting hit hard with this. And what that's doing is it's starting to reflect the cost back to the homeowner because of the price sure. increase. Yeah. Sure. And it's not so much of the product that's coming from the suppliers because they're taking a big hit on this. So it's just something to keep an eye out with uh, who you're hiring to do a job. Uh, if you see somebody at your house that's going to be dropping off material and you have no clue what's going on. Where's this offshore place? Where's it coming from? They didn't give me that information, mm-hmm. but they did have a sting that will be out. And he said, listen, it'll be in the papers. And once it's out, then we can divulge the Talk information. Mm-hmm. But I, th- I know it's in Bucks County that it happened. So I'm sure once it happens, we can get Mark Ferber, the DA of Bucks County to come on and, and talk about this. And, and we should, yeah, absolutely should. So yeah, it's just, it's, it's amazing how many bad schemes are out there. And it's it's more on the, the lines of, for me, it's easy for what I do because I know what I'm doing when it comes to the construction aspect, but it's getting this information that on the bad contractors and what they're doing to scam people or scam suppliers and how they're getting massive amount of money, which is, again, it's, it's hurting the, the supply chain, which we look at is, What's the cost of the supplies from the supplier? Everybody's going to start marking it up. And the bottom line, the, the end result is the not the contractor. The homeowner is going to be paying for this because they're the ones ultimately paying for the product that they need for a roof or siding or windows they're going to be putting in. And if it's a bad credit card number, somebody's got to eat the cost somewhere. Again, it's not the credit card company because the credit card company has denied now the transaction. And now the supplier stuck with a $20,000 hit and the material, they go back and get it. It's not there. Wow. It's just something I want to get it out. Even though I'm trying to still gather information, this is coming from good sources of, I know three suppliers that I dealt with in the past month that talked about this, is that if we can get a, a head on this jump and let people know about this now to keep a lookout for this building supply product that's showing up at your house, or you see it at a project that there's nothing there, call the police, call somebody, call authority in your area. What to- do you mean you see it at a project and there's nothing there? Well, if there's you're at an empty lot mm-hmm. and it says like you're going to be building a lot, they could be dropping the material off there. It could be lumber. It could be anything. They're just mm-hmm. dropping it off thinking you're going to be building there and you drop off $25,000 in lumber to get something started saying you're going to build on an empty lot. Well, if you know there's no permits there, basically what it is, once that supplier leaves because they thought they got paid for this, they dropped the material, they're gone. You're getting somebody else, that contractor, the scam artist is coming in, loading all that material up and stealing it and bringing it to another job or selling it outright elsewhere. And it's big because this isn't one or two. This is coming from good, reliable sources that looks like it's into the millions coming from just in this area of dollars. Wow. Thanks to our listeners writing in too late. Too late. (laughs) I love when they say, hey, Kevin, I love your show, but uh, I didn't do what you said. How do I get out of this? Figure that one out. They didn't listen to that particular (laughs) show. Okay, all right. Okay. Well, it's just any of the shows. Listen, for our listeners... Or anybody, Kevin at yourvaluablehome.net. Send me the contract, cover the name, cover the price. I don't need to see that. Let me look at the meat of the product so I can see if there's things missing, or if their contract's not written well, that you're not getting certain things that you think you're getting. But this was, it, it went a little bit further. 
And the listener knew that I'm not a big fan of certain subcontractors because the, I don't like the jobs they do. I really don't. It's, but I do the work myself. I still physically do the siding. As you know, Dave and I are the ones physically right, doing the siding. Right. Mm-hmm. So she asked me, so listen, can you walk me through this? I said, well, tell me your story. She said, I signed with a company and they told me they were in business for a long time. And after I did the homework, uh, they've got their license in December 2022. So I don't know about a long time for you. Five months is not really having a company for a long time. So basically what it is, is the SNS for our listeners or new listeners, salesmen and subs. And this is where the, the, the job started to get a little bit worse is that signed with the company. They started the job pretty much right away. It was a siding job. And she said, uh, within a week, as promised, they came out and started the work. So it was a company they came out. Uh, communication was very distant. They, they couldn't really speak to the people. So they started ripping down the siding, and then they started taking out windows. And that was a little bit of a problem because she didn't sign a contract for windows, and there was no windows of the job. So do you think that's a problem? (laughs) (laughs) Just a little bit of a problem. So now you've got to basically, the windows are destroyed, the two windows in the house, or the one side that they took out. There's no way to really put them back in, so you have to now get new windows. So now that's an expense you didn't count on. Right, well, that's the homeowner's cost. Yeah, right, of course. So... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> this is the, this is the beginning of the iceberg. Pictures don't lie. That's the yeah. nice part about it. Week went by. They said they'll get the windows in pretty quickly, which, w- listen, windows don't come in in a week. So they actually I found they look like different size windows. So they had to rip walls out to redo the windows and the so drywall. It's, just, it's compounding a problem. Windows were now installed. The drywall is completely botched up. And the siding guys, I don't know what happened. They said they left and never came back. We called the owner of the business up. Uh, yeah, we have a little bit delayed. We'll be there in a couple days. Well, another week goes by. A different sub crew comes out, starts the back of the house. Now, don't forget that one side's still not finished. They start the back of the house, removing the siding, putting it back up. But again, that's all they did was the siding. Day or two goes by. Uh, they work, get the back, get to the other side, never come back again. She calls them up. Hey, what's the problem? Uh, we had a little bit of delay. Another couple of weeks go by. Another contractor, subcontractor comes out to do the job. They're at four subcontractors, and they're still probably three-quarters of the way done, plus the interior of the windows that they had to rip out and redo is still not done. Problem is, wow. I, I said, how much money did you give him? She said over three-quarters of the money already because he kept asking for more was money. It lot, was it a lot of money? Uh, I didn't want to know. Uh, she said it was about three-quarters of the money. So at this point, Shame. I said, how do you like the workmanship and the job? She's like, well, that's another problem. I said, well, the, the only way to fix it is you have to rip it all down and redo it. I said, uh, it's out of my area. So she's spending for it twice. Oh, she's going to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's going to. But she said, I got a good price, and that's probably what led me because I didn't have the money. I said, well, listen, if you don't have money to do this, you can wait another year. You've been living like this with the siding for the last 30 years. What's another year? Was it leaking? Did you have problems? Well, no, I just wanted the new look. At that point, wait another year to get the job and get it done right. If you're going to do windows, and I always tell people, listen, when a contractor, you ask them for siding and your windows need to be done, it's always a better buy to do it then. But it's not so much the... The cost savings is I look at you're going to marry all those underlayments together, the siding with the the Tyvek wraps and the window itself and how it's going to be tied in so you never have a problem. So that's what you look at. It's a two bonus. Number one, you're going to save some money because the contractor saving money. There's no reason why I shouldn't be giving you a better price, mm-hmm. but you're also getting a better installation. But here's the thing, and I, this is going to be tough because I'm going to knock out 99% of the contractors here when they say, if you're the owner of the company, do you sub out? Because some people really, and I'm seeing it more and more. They're always asking me. That's why they're calling me is, you don't sub out. But I said, well, most of the people do. So if you ask that contractor, hey, do you sub out? 
No, we, we use our own guys. Ask for a workman's comp policy that has their name on it, and at least they've been working for that company for six months. You're going to hear crickets at this point because that's all it is today. It's just salesmen and subs. Mm-hmm. I said roofing is the worst because you don't know who you're going to get for the roofing. And then I always tell people, hey, listen, why would you want to listen to me? Here's what I suggest. Call your insurance agent. Tell them you're going to hire a company that doesn't have any workman's comp, and they're going to do my roofing or siding. Good luck with that. What do you think they're yeah. going to say? <laughs> find another company. Uh, sure. Right. Of course. So where do you find that company? Yeah. Who's going to be trustworthy enough to say, hey, listen, this is what we're going to do. I'm I put in my contract, I'm going to be doing the siding. I'll put it up. Except Friday's in the in the uh, summertime. I'm going to be taking a day off. I like to take some time off. But I'm the one that's going to be doing it. So that's something I, I'd be as transparent as possible. But not many people are going to do this. Actually, like I said, I, I like to get people that I like to hear that the owner of the business is one doing the work because I think that's a lost trade art over the past 30 years. I still like to maintain that I'm still old school, but today it's all about making money. For me, it's about doing the job right. When people, they they call me up and this is one of the tough parts. They bring me in, they know who I am. They know what I did in the industry. Hey, how fast can you get it done? Well, I'll start tomorrow. And they're looking at me. I said, well, listen, here's what it is. What other companies did you call? Because I know the subs that do their work I'll call them up and do the work, but I'm going to need all the money up front. The contracts are going to say, you can't sue me because the workmanship's not going to be that good. And they're like, what are you doing? I'm like, well, that's the same thing that contractor offer you. You want me to do, but I can't start you right away. It's going to take a little bit of time. When somebody gives you a nice fair price, which pretty much I'm less expensive because I'm the one doing my work. I'm not subbing out. I'm doing the work. I'm doing it right. I'm giving you a lower price and I'm doing the work myself. That's what people hire me on, but I can't get to the jobs right away. Being patient today is something where, again, it's another lost art. Everybody's about into that self-satisfaction of having you start right away. If you hire somebody and you hire the wrong job and you're knee-deep into this job and you're spending a lot of money and you're not happy with the workmanship they did, just remember this. You're the one that hired that person. So getting the job, looking at the workmanship, checking the credentials, checking his license number in the state that you're in is so vitally important part of the job. And if you have a really good company and a good contractor, uh, they're gonna ask for minimal dollars up front. Do you need that kind of money up front? You need 33%, I get, if you're gonna order the material. But then you've gotta look at, do they want another 50% the day they start? So now they have about 80% of your money, they haven't done any work. So these are things that are gonna be some red flags. But if our listeners wanna just give me a call, or even contractors that listen to the show, tell me what you do. Tell me some good applications that can help homeowners get through this nightmare that we've been living in the past two years in the contractor world. And we can educate our homeowners on certain aspects that are gonna be good for homeowners, not for contractors and how to make money. It's for how homeowners get the job done and done right. And listen, stick with us. This is the second week. We are fortunate to have the award-winning, multiple award-winning designer Donna Hoffman with us again. And she's going to be talking about how to interview designers, how to ask them serious questions about will you get along with them? Will they they get along with you? And how they charge and all sorts of things that maybe you never considered before. And maybe this is your first time to deal with an interior designer. So stick with us. She's got a special offer for you too. It's her ebook. And if you must do it yourself, this is the best way to do it. Do it along with Donna Hoffman. It's an ebook. It's a $27 value. And because you are a listener of Your Valuable Home, it's yours free. We'll tell you how to get it when we do her interview. All right, we'll be back after we take a quick break. 
We've been telling our listeners about Provia entry doors and windows, but there's a lot more to Provia, right, Kev? Yeah, you bet. Provia is your one source for professional class entry doors, storm doors, patio doors, vinyl and wood clad vinyl windows, vinyl siding, manufactured stone, and incredible metal roofing. In fact, Provia makes all the product you need to create the perfect home exterior. They do it all the Provia way, the professional way. Hey, Kev, didn't you just use Provia siding and doors on your home? Yep, the look of my siding and doors have landed me a ton of work. Okay, so what sold you on Provia vinyl siding? The same that sells my customers. Provia Siding Reflex Heat protects against UV rays and solar heat buildup that ensures long-lasting color. Then there's a range of traditional, insulated, and decorative siding profiles, all with the look and feel of real wood. And a selection of now colors, including dark and bold hues. So, what's your take on Provia manufactured stone? The molds of Provia stone are created from natural stones, giving it a quarried stone look with a great range of shapes and sizes. Customers love them, and the 10 choices of color palettes, Provia stone goes with any environment. To see how Provia Siding and Stone combine to create the Provia perfect exterior with great curb appeal, visit Provia.com. Click on Designer Collections under the Design It tab. Hey, Kevin here, installing another Provia entry door. I do about 50 or more a year. Schleg knobs, hardware, and handle sets make a great complement to any Provia fiberglass or steel entry door. Provia and Schleg, I think, are the best combination of curb appeal, style, and security money can buy in entry doors. And Schleg now has a complete line of Wi-Fi locks, including the new Encode Plus, which can be locked or unlocked with the tap of an Apple Watch. Amazing. Provia and Schleg, there's no better combination for entry doors. We are lucky to have our friend, the multiple award-winning interior designer, Donna Hoffman, with us two weeks in a row. How about that? That's big. In last week's podcast, Donna offered up great advice to help design-it-yourselfers overcome common interior design mistakes. You've made them, I've made them, we will, Frank's made them. I think we do it unwittingly, <laughs> like shrinking the footage of your home or reducing its resale value because you're not doing things right. You're not designing things right. This week, we're going to explore three interesting questions with Donna. Number one, who should hire an interior designer? Number two, how to hire the right interior designer? And three, how designers charge for their services. A lot of good stuff here. Donna's uniquely qualified to delve into these subjects. She heads a busy luxury interior design company with clients across the U.S. She also coaches interior design professionals in best business practices. Donna, welcome back for the second week in a row. I'm honored. (laughs) We're honored to have you. Before we begin, we need to let our audience know that for listening today, they can download your 93-page ebook for free? Yeah, yeah, they can. We sell it actually for $27, but for your peeps, we thought it would be a really great gift, great way to kick off all the design that's happening this time of year. It's called What Would an Interior Designer Do? Checklist Your Way to a Great Room. And basically, it is brimming with over 100 easy-to-implement ideas that will give you either an instant roadmap for a quick facelift in a room or an instant roadmap for a redo of a room. And it's a fun, easy read. And who doesn't love a great checklist? The whole book is written in a fun checklist form. So stick with us. At the end of this interview, we're going to tell you how to download Donna's ebook for free. We're going to give you a promo code and some other information. Donna, let's get right into it. Who should and shouldn't hire an interior designer? Such a great question. 
So here's who usually does hire an interior designer, and here's who should not. The people who hire interior designers, clearly designers were a luxury purchase. The, the people who are hiring interior designers recognize that the result that they want is one that they don't have the skill set to do on their own. They don't have the resources, as in the resource connections and knowledge to get the look that they want. They don't have the time to do it themselves. And they really look at their home as an extension of themselves, an expression of themselves. And they really want that kind of magazine-ready fabulousness in their home, but something really comfortable that fits them like a glove, certainly. The people who should not hire a designer, I always say that DIY designers, do-it-yourselfers, I love writing for DIYers. I love teaching DIYers, but I don't think that a marriage between a DIY design lover and a professional design firm is a good marriage unless there's an actual clergyman involved. The way that a, a, a DIY design lover sees design and the way I see design are really pretty different. And the process that I use is a process, and DIYers are usually really excited by ideas, and they're going from idea to idea to idea. The way a professional approaches any design project, it's not nebulous. It's very strategic. There's a clear beginning, middle, and end. Resources, time, and money have to be very well managed. Budgets have to be forecast and managed. So it's really different than going to the furniture store with your spouse, laying down your credit card and saying, yeah, we like that coffee table and how about that rug and piecing some things together. Designers do a very different type of collected or curated movement from room to room to room through a whole home or just within one room if, if you're hiring somebody for one space. So that's kind of the breakdown of who should and who shouldn't. Well, the other thing is there are people out there and, um, you know, out there in the population who do want, like to take advice from other people. So if you're that kind of person, yeah. you probably shouldn't hire a designer. You probably should hire a clergyman. Right. <laughs> right. right. Exactly. How do people who choose to go with a designer know they have the right one? I would say fit, aesthetic fit, process. And also budget would be four things that you really need to consider hard when you are looking to hire a designer. You have to go for fit. You have to feel very comfortable with this person, believe that they really understand who you are or who you and your partner are in design, who really understand what you're after and somebody who you think can get you there. So there has to be a comfort level of fit. There has to be an aesthetic fit. You have to be attracted to what you see in their portfolio and or believe that they can get where you want them to go. Also, you have to really drill down with them on process. You want to make sure that whoever you hire has a process that you're comfortable with. You know, tell me, how does my project work? What happens from the moment we sign you? What are the deliverables? What are the deliverable dates? So it has to be processed. It's not just a bunch of pantomime waving your hands in the air and throwing around some color you know, swatches. And then budget has to be addressed in a really forthright and prudent manner. A designer's beeswax, how you set your budget, but it is her or his absolute responsibility to serve your budget and to manage your budget. So you have to have those conversations early on to make sure that your project budget is commensurate in size with your project itself. So I would say fit, aesthetic fit, process, and also budget would be four things that you really need to consider hard when you are looking to hire a designer. Should both of them listen to each other for clues about personality clashes? Oh, yeah. 
definitely. <laughs> this is an opportunity for you guys to completely pick my brain. And I want you to know I'm going to give you as full transparency as, as you need here or want. When people call our company to inquire about our design services, someone from our team, and I'm giving us as an example. I'm not saying you should call us, but I just want you to know what, what to expect. You know, someone from our team will, will get the basic information, your name and what's the project and what's your basic timing and are you working with other designers? Have you worked with the designer before? Just to get some basic info. And we're listening for the kind of answers that we're getting. So just remember that when you are vetting a designer, a designer is vetting you as well. Yeah. So for example, if someone says, yeah, I've worked with four designers, our first question is, may I ask why you're not working with them on this project? Now, unless the answer is, we've moved four times, all four of, or all four of them have retired, or God forbid, all four of them have died. If we get somebody who comes to our door and they're cycling through designers, a red flag goes up for us and we think, hmm, this person may have a problem. Having a miss with a designer, we get it. It can happen. If either you didn't hire well or the designer wasn't careful in the type of project he or she accepted. But if somebody's cycling through designers, you know, that's a red flag for a designer. Hmm, this client might be a problem. Yes, both sides should be listening to each other. And just as we started to talk about fit, the questions you should be asking, you want to see what kind of personality is answering you and what kind of sure. hard answers you're getting back, you know, to make sure you're comfortable with them. And, and you also have to make sure timing works. You know, we have terrific people call our company and they need us to start their project, you know, in an hour. And we can't, you know. Kevin's so laughing too. Huh? Kevin's well. laughing. He's been in that situation. Yeah. Yeah, Kevin, I know you have been. Yeah. So I think listening is, is really important. And so once we get that basic information, then we ask people to tell us about your project. And we'll ask questions like, you know, what, what makes you most excited about hiring a designer? And you know, what are you worried about in hiring a designer? And everybody always has the same two worries and fears. And then we ask, you know, what uh, what's your timing? What type of budget? You know, that you've described this whole project for us. You're adding a wing. You're building a this, blah, blah, blah. You know, what kind of budget have you assigned for something like this? The two fears everybody states when I ask what makes you most nervous about hiring a designer. The two answers we get consistently from people of all walks of life, of all levels on the executive chain and such, I'm afraid that the designer is going to drive this over budget. Very common concern. And a good designer should never, ever drive you above budget. A good designer should land you at budget and, if possible, slightly below if your budget has you know, been overstated. The first concern is I'm afraid that costs will get out of hand or they won't respect my budget. And the other one is really interesting to me. I'm afraid it won't look like me. I'm afraid it's going to look like the designer which sometimes also bleeds into, I'm afraid I'll be strong-armed in design. So those are some common fears. And so we talk to people very candidly about, that's yeah, a great fear to have. Here's what you want to look out for, and this is what our company does, which is why you wouldn't have that. You want to have really candid conversations with a design team because your project's going to last for months and months and months for a single room, whole home or a reno, many, many, many months more than that. So you have to make sure, again, you're super comfortable with each other. There's an affinity there, simpatico, and then it's golden. It's just really a golden thing. When you talk about timing, because just recently for the past two years, everybody's about timing. What are you seeing that they're responding to you about timing-wise? Are they telling you when the project doesn't start in two months, three months, four months? That's a great question. We have all kinds of people that contact us. When people are in construction, that's usually when they have a little more time, unless they've waited too long to bring a design team on and they say, hey, our builder's here and he needs our colors. That, you know, that's the person who needs you in an hour. 
that when most of the time when people are in renovation or construction, they get to the point where they think, uh-oh, I really could use some help on this. I'm in over my head. Usually it could be several months before people would need us to start. But also there are people who wake up and say, you know, my spouse and I talked about this over the weekend and we're going to redo our dining room. I'm going to call designers now and see how soon someone can start. So you, you kind of get every answer in terms of when people want to start. Oh, yeah. I've been finding most of the people when they call designers or even us, listen, we want to get this done in a couple months completely. And I said, okay, we'll start tomorrow. Make sure all the product's here. And then it makes oh, them think oh, for a I'm little sorry. bit. Oh, I'm sorry. I misunderstood. I'm sorry. I thought you were asking me when they wanted to start. When can it get finished? Oh, okay. Hello, COVID. It's still happening. It's better. Thank you. But it's, things are still not where they are supposed to be. I know consumers are sick to death of hearing about it, but hey, it's the reality. We used to tell people for one custom, let's say we were doing a bedroom, custom room, three to three to five months before all of the custom furnishings to be in. Because you got to remember, we got to design it. That takes several weeks while you're signing off on things, asking for changes, blah, blah. Then it goes into fabrication, and fabrication would take, you know, three to five months. Well, now, that same room, during COVID, that same room was 12 to 14 months. I would say right now we're, we're quoting people for a single room from the time everything can come in in the custom world. You could be looking at anywhere from seven to 10 months Okay. You know, rugs can still take six months to weave, and the furniture world is still experiencing delays on raw goods, and the shipping problems, the trucker shortages are still very much a reality. Ooh, you that? have to be seeing that too, Kevin, that? right, with yes. getting materials in, right? Thank you. Yeah, I, it, it's tough for people to understand that when you tell them, hey, listen, I want, I want to get this done before, say, the summer they're telling me, and it, it's only three months away. I said, oh, we can do it. You get all the product here. I don't have time to set, call a designer, get all the product in, and we'll do it. Well, about a week later, they call, yeah. like, we're not even going to get that product in for six to eight months. And I said, well, I'd rather not lie to you. I'd rather you at least do some homework, and maybe your designer right. will give you the best bit of advice that if you're going to be starting something, be patient. Hiring everybody in yeah. the right place is going to make a world of difference in trying to rush something and have a nightmare horror story with designers and contractors. Out of the both of you deal with, if it takes that much lead time for materials, say, how do you deal with price increases? Here's what I do on, on my end. I've been working with the designers, say, for kitchens. What I deal with is I, I never tell people, if a contractor offers you an allowance, right. they're going to be making money off you. Of course. So what I would do is you can use my place. And I tell people, listen, I'm not going to force you. If you want to go somewhere else, go somewhere else. I want you to feel comfortable. If you're putting cabinets in that are $30,000 or $30, the same application, they go in the same. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to give you my labor cost mm -hmm. either way. Mm -hmm. And it's good for, say, six months. I, we're pretty much now understanding where everything's coming in. But what yeah, you're doing- about the materials cost. Well, you're signing with, say, my designer, Kathy, who does the cabinets themselves. Once she locks in the price, you order them, you're kind of locked in at that point. So prior to, in the beginning, when COVID was starting to get back, when people were going back to work, the price increases were happening every three weeks. Don't would you say three to four weeks? Sure. It was just going up and going yeah. up and going up. But it's, it, I think it's stabilized right now. Uh, things are at stable point. But once you sign in with a, a material, with a contract company, which is either, say, a building or a supplier, that's going to be your price. Okay. And we'll lock it in for that point because the material is already purchased. Donna, what are you seeing on your similar end? Similar for us. Yeah, similar for us. So when we sign a client, we, are, we know the budget in total for the project that they're comfortable with. And we've agreed that their budget is realistic and or commensurate with the total scope of their project. And then once we have all their space plans done, or if it's a single room, their space plan done, then we do a line item budget forecast, every single item down to the last rug, lamp, accessory, refinishing a piece of furniture they already own, recovering a sofa they already own, whatever. It all gets put into that line item budget. So our fee has already been, you know, locked in. So that's already there. It's once the client 
client has made their furnishings with an S selection, then we create our proposals. We have to get all the pricing together because none of these things exist, right? They exist in my brain. They're, they're, they don't exist in a computer somewhere that, you, like Ikea, you punch it out and you pick it up, you know, on the, on the, down to the basement. So once we get the price quotes in and from our resources, those are price protected for 30 days. We put that proposal in front of the client and it says this price is protected for 30 days, meaning that that vendor cannot give us a price increase. However, if it then expires, it's the Wild West out there and they could put through a pricing increase. But because you started to talk about timing, how quickly people want things in. Our clients and smart clients all over are motivated to get their furnishings on order because they want everything in and delivered. So sure. usually by the time you've made your selections, you just want to sign those proposals. There should be no shock on pricing because you've already worked all of, all of the numbers through with your designer. You're already comfortable with everything. So you're just signing things and getting them into, into order. So prices are protected within that 30-day uh, projection. Yeah, one thing I also do with, with my clients is I sometimes I don't even sign contracts till we get closer. It's a little bit of leap of faith you're going to be with me if price increases, but I never did sure. it over the past two years. I just dealt with it. I took a loss in some of the jobs with profit that I, I took out. But one of my mm. stipulations that I do is I won't start your kitchen or bathroom until all material is in. So if there's a delay on certain products, you don't, get stuck. you don't get stuck. I, I don't want to be you stuck. You don't get stuck and they don't get stuck. And I, and Donna, what I tell people is that, look, if you want partial, get started. But here's the deal is if I have to leave your job because the material that you ordered, it's still not in. The cost for me to come back is going to be intense. It's going to be a lot more money because I got to shut down your job, go to another job, finish right. that up, then reshut down, come back to your job. And it's, it's another set of fee that I'm going to lose out. So I'd rather have all well, the material in to get started. Yeah, Furniture World works the exact same way. Let's say you order a, a, a dining room sideboard. That manufacturer will not start building your sideboard until all of your wood is in, all of your veneers are in, all of your drawer glides are in, and all of your decorative hardware is in. And if the decorative hardware is on back order, thank you, COVID, even though everything else is ready to go, they will not build. They will not yeah, do it. Yeah. So that's where the delays come from. It's not that it takes seven months or eight months to build a dining room sideboard. It's by the time you get your number comes up in the production line, because there are people all over the country ahead of you at that resource with their orders that have been put in. But if some of your hardware is missing, because it's, again, custom, we're doing this hardware with that different finish, that's what holds up production. It's the componentry that that's the issue. Is the educational institution where the designer received their training important to some people? You know, it's interesting. I've never been asked that question personally, and I can tell you I have hired and unfortunately had to fire designers who had great lettering and they had the pedigree, but their design wasn't so great. Or they took 10 bloody hours to find a desk for a project. I said, we cannot bill a client 10 hours to find a desk. What are you doing? So I wish I could say that there was a fail-safe method for, a, with a pedigree to, you know, use that word, to find the right designer. I mean, there's, a, there's a really busy, fantastic design team in the Philadelphia region. They are entirely field trained. They have a huge following, huge business, and they do really exciting, very modern work. And neither one of them has any formal training. Am I a proponent of having no training? No, I think you got to be careful. I think you need to, you know, you're managing big projects and dollars. You got to know what you're doing. And there is a lot of the science and or, or formula to what we do. All I'm saying is there are different, I mean, some people have a four-year degree in it. Some people have a two-year post-baccalaureate degree. Some mm -hmm. people have a certification. And then there are some people who are field trained. So I, I think you, it runs the gamut. 
So checking references is important, uh, looking at websites, looking at reviews, and really vetting well so that you're very comfortable in conversation with this potential designer or design team that you're hiring, that you really know and understand the process and what you're getting, what the deliverable is going to be. And you want to make sure you have a really clear written scope of work and a really clearly written contract as well. So you know all of their responsibilities and roles, and you know what your few responsibilities are as a client as well. Is there any question a potential client should not ask? (laughs) (laughs) How much? (laughs) You know, it's so funny. Well, no, pricing is, you have to talk about, about budget and so forth. We find that when people call our company and the first question they say is, hi, I'm looking for a designer, what do you charge? We know they're dialing for designers. They're looking for a lowest um, hourly cost designer, probably, you know, more attached to that than anything else. I think the wisest way to ask about a design services is, hey, I've got a project. I'd love to talk to you about it. Can I talk to you about my project? Yes. Talk about the project. Can you tell me how you work? Yes. Can you tell me about your processes? Okay. Can you tell me how your fees work? You want to let a design team, you know, hear more about your project and then what's the hourly fee and or how do they charge comes out of that. For somebody to just call my company and ask what's the fee, what was my hourly rate, it's not going to tell them a thing about what their final project fee is going to be because we don't sell one hour of service. So it's almost an immaterial question, but we do discuss our hourly fees, but we can't tell you what your project is going to cost until we actually look at your project, your total scope of work, come back to our our studio and do a a very uh, intense breakdown of the type of service that we feel you need. We put it into this interesting calculator that we've created in Excel and it spits out a number and it's a fairly accurate number. So I, I, I think when people want to know what's your hourly rate, very often those are people who are not necessarily design clients. They are more, they would love to hire a designer. They don't really know what's entailed with it. They're trying to do a, a comparison on fee, but that, uh, on hourly rate, but that still won't tell you what is my total project going to cost. Do you know what I mean? Yep. I can tell you that the average, the average rate in the country has not moved very far. It's still about $150. It, it ranges by region. The cities are higher. And remember, I also teach interior designers best business practices. So the designers that are charging like 85 an hour, they can't even get their practices off the ground. Certain metropolitan areas, L.A., you can see people in the 300 to 350 hour an hour kind of range. So it really depends by region of the country, design firm. Here in our company, we have different rates for different members of our team. I'm the design lead, so my rate is higher than, let's say, my junior designer. But you should absolutely discuss fees. You want to know, what is what might my project cost with you, and how do we determine that cost? You note five different types of interior designers. What's the definition of each one, and what are their identifying characteristics? I break it down this way. There's the directive designer. There's the collaborative designer, there's the hybrid, there's the my way, my look designer, sometimes called the signature designer, and then there is what we call the total nut. So <laughs> let's take the total nut off, off the table. This is the designer that's so creative and so right brain that, you know, he or she can't manage details, they can't manage the numbers, they're just a mess, however talented they are. 
they will drive linear thinkers and clients bananas. They're not good communicators. Again, they're all about the art. So I would say you want to avoid that designer. A directive designer is a designer who takes a very strong hand uh, in guiding you through a project. A collaborative designer will take such a loose hand that you are almost guiding the project a little bit too much as a client. This is the designer who, let's say, will take you to a showroom and say, okay, let's pick out your sofa. Okay, now, which which one of these club chairs do you like? Okay, which one of these rugs do you like? And although that might feel like a good process to some people, for other people who want something very curated looking, you're not going to get that if the designer is really just more like a collaborative consultant. Mm -hmm. Then there's the hybrid designer. I consider myself a hybrid. I'm collaborative in terms of figuring out who you are in design, what you love, taking on a reconnaissance tour to some showrooms in New York or Philadelphia to see how you sit in things, see what really attracts you beyond the other discovery work we will have done with you. I like to look at what I call a design fingerprint for people. But then I get more and more directive as we're making decisions. I'll say, okay, Ron, Kevin, you put, you've just picked out you know, rug, that rug for your, your new studio office. So those other chairs we looked at don't work, but this board A versus board B, you know, a creative board, board uh-huh. A would really work with this new rug that you've selected. So we, I get more directive as more decisions have been made. Mm-hmm. The My okay. Way, My Look designer, also called a signature designer, that's somebody who has a look that you love, and they just stamp out that look over and over. You know, we walk out of that residence, and you know who designed it. And it's a valid way of working for some people. Uh, We're working with a client in California right now who hired a signature designer and they were very unhappy and they said, it doesn't look like us. You know, we always loved working with you. Will you come out to California and work with us? Because we know when we work with you, it's going to look like us. So it depends on who you are as a client and what you want. Some people might look at a signature designer's work and say, yeah, I want so-and-so's design in my bedroom or in in my condo or my home. So there's no right or wrong, but I would say avoid the nut at all costs. Avoid the nut. But uh, importantly, I think everything we talked about in the front end of this interview, questions that the potential client should ask or shouldn't ask, it's important to zone in on the type of designer they are talking to and want to deal with, isn't it? It is. In fact, when this client in California called me and they were so upset about what had happened with this project, I said, listen, Jeff, i got to be honest with you. This is the kind of designer you hired. The work that they did has real integrity. It's not right for you and your wife. I get that, uh, knowing you as I do, but this is good work. But you hired a signature designer. This is their look. This is their stamp. So he said, yeah, you know, I never thought of it that way, but you're right. It's a good point. So you have to know who you are as a client and what you want in your design partner. I I call it your design advocate, right? You want this person to really have your back and get you across that finish line, which is gorgeous result with a process I loved that was comfortable to me with, you know, pricing and budget control and budget management that felt really good to me as well. Do designers mark up furniture, cabinetry, flooring, other products? I don't know. Does your dentist, when he takes $4 worth of amalgam and he sticks it in your tooth, do you th- and he, does he mark that up? When probably he does. He probably does. he probably does. He probably does, yeah. Right, because uh, yeah. he's, he's not a non, not-for-profit business. Yeah. I, I didn't I'm tell him that. No, we did, it. we did it in the in, in the sales promotion business. I was a partner in a sales promotion agency in New York. Absolutely, we did it. Donna, I didn't tell There's him no to say way that. You could, uh, I didn't no, tell no, I, it's, 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 it's like putting all, laying it out on the table, right? Yeah, 
I walk into Nordstrom to buy a great pair of shoes and I don't ask Nordstrom, did you mark up these shoes? I know that they have to pay their overhead and their insurance and pay for their building and pay for their employees. So I know there's markup on the shoes that I purchase. Any smart designer is pricing her services or his services at market value or well and offering product at market value as well. Absolutely. No, the reason I asked the question is probably a lot of people in the naivete don't believe that you do or don't want to believe that you do. Have you ever run into that? Very few occasions. And usually that's somebody who's not used to working with the design trade or somebody who's a client I wouldn't want to work with. Uh, If somebody is looking for how do I clip coupons on this job, that's not a client that we would really know how to work with. We always say that we believe that we are the best value for the invested dollar. We are not the lowest cost design team out there. We're not the highest cost design team out there either. I've once had somebody ask me, you know, what's your markup? And I thought it was such an odd question. I would, I would, I would never think to say that to my dentist or to, uh, to Nordstrom or to Apple when I buy my computer from Apple and whatever I'm buying from Apple. You know, I do business with, with for-profit businesses, so I expect that there is there's markup. And for some reason, yep. the design industry has gotten beaten up about that. And I think it's really weird. People have a right to want that, I, I'm sure. But there, that, that would tell me as a designer, this probably is not the, the, fam- the family I, I should be hiring hired by, but I'd love to have dinner with them sometime. I bet they're great people. Right. I think everybody yeah. today wants the value. They yeah. don't want the cheap. They want the yeah. value. Yeah, of course. Of course. Yeah. But now let's get back to your ebook. What would an interior designer do? Checklist your way to a great room. Everybody listening to this interview with Donna, just visit the interior design advocate.com slash ebook. One more time, the interior design advocate.com slash ebook by May 26th. That gives you about a week after this airs and enter the promo code YVH podcast. You'll be asked to also enter a credit card number, but you absolutely will not be charged. Just the way that the uh, app works. The interior design advocate.com slash ebook and enter the promo code YVH podcast to get multiple award winning designer Donna Hoffman's design ebook at $27 value absolutely free. Donna, we and our listeners, thank you for a great interview, great advice, great insight, as always. You're welcome, guys. Always love spending time with you. Sending you a big hug. Love being with you. Hey, Kev, great news on how our listeners can tap into their home equity without taking a loan, making monthly payments, or piling on debt. With Unison, they get up to 17.5% of their home's value to remodel, pay off debt, buy a vacation home, whatever. You have Unison, right? Yep, paid off medical debt. Unison's terms were perfect for me, especially zero monthly payments for up to 30 years. Zero monthly payments? How do they make money? When you sell your home, you pay them the original co-investment amount plus a percentage of the change in your home's value up to 30 years later. How do we learn more? Go to unison.com backslash YVH, which stands for Your Valuable Home. Again, that's unison.com backslash YVH. Additional terms and conditions apply. Visit unison.com backslash YVH for details. Remember the name Probia, your single source for professional class, entry doors, storm doors, patio doors, vinyl and wood-clad vinyl windows, vinyl siding, manufacturing, stone and metal roofing products made with latest technology and honest old world craftsmanship the Provia way that's this week's podcast your valuable home comes to you every week on the new pod city podcast network apple Podcasts, and all other popular podcast directories if you want us to share your home improvement project or horror story email me at kevin at your that's kevin at your and don't forget to tell your friends and family about Your Valuable Home, the weekly podcast that's all about building wealth in residential real estate and hiring the right contractor to do the right job at the right price. 